Welcome to Reflections of Darkness. This is your gorgeous drag horror hostess, Evil, coming to you from my lair of eternal damnation. How are all my pod people doing out there in podcast land? Well, I'm doing great, because tonight's episode is very special. Not only is it the first episode of the new year, and it's also the first episode of season five of Reflections of Darkness, it's also episode 50. Can you believe it's been 50 episodes? Ugh, amazing. I can't believe I lasted that long. <laughs> to celebrate 50 episodes, if you could please take a minute and rate and review the podcast, that would be great. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to congratulate me or whatever, feel free to send any of those messages over to my socials. And all that info is over at evilqueensf.com. Now, how about we start off season five with some good old quick reflections. <laughs> quick reflection number one, Children of the Corn from 2020. Okay, so this one I am torn on. I like the idea that, you know, they got suckered by the GMO chemical people and it's killing all the corn, which is killing the town. Then they try to make another bad decision that'll put the last nail in the coffin of the town since, you know, people are so short-sighted, they only think of today and money, not of tomorrow and the earth. That's a great way to get into Children of the Corn. Another thing I liked and didn't like was, was this a prequel? And if so, why didn't they do anything there? Like, they could have had a really young Isaac and Malachi as some of the followers that we could have seen being taken to their new town. Um, actually, that may have been a plot of one of the other Children of the Corns. But I think it still would have worked. If this was a prequel... Wait, was it? Oh, no, wait, it couldn't have been. There were cell phones. Duh. Anyway, where it lost me was one Corn Groot monster. Okay. Then that awful ending? What the hell was that? I don't know. I like the little girl Eden and the whole Red Queen thing. But they should have either leaned into the Alice in Wonderland thing more or not included it at all. I mean, at least I wasn't bored with this movie. So I give Children of the Corn from 2020 four out of ten I am Corn Groot monsters. <laughs> Quick reflection number two. Paranormal Activity Next of Kin from 2021. Now this was an interesting addition to the Paranormal Activity series. I honestly think this could have been a standalone movie, not even part of the series. Uh, the story was interesting, the acting was fine, it had a nice creep factor, and the ending was pretty good. Uh, they could have paid a little more attention to the quote-unquote bad guy, but still it was fine. So I give Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, 6 out of 10 creepy Amish dolls. <laughs> Quick reflection number 3, Piranha 2 The Spawning from 1982. So, I had never seen this one, and I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, obviously a sequel to the 1978 Piranha movie, but this one feels like a made-for-TV movie about flying piranha. It also feels like a 70s movie. The characters and the setting and the whole vibe does not feel early 80s at all. But all that being said, I think it's a fun, campy creature feature that could be enjoyed with friends and some drinks. <laughs> I feel like all movies that I just kind of like, I always say, drink them and watch and I'm sure it'll get better. And they do. <laughs> so I give Piranha 2 The Spawning 7 out of 10. Surprise corpse piranhas. <laughs> well, I think that's enough quick reflections for tonight. Let's get into tonight's main feature. Enjoy the 50th episode. Tonight's movie is Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D, from 1982. We get an opening text on screen. 
Warning, ladies and gentlemen, the first few minutes of this picture are not in 3D. However, you will need the special 3D glasses. <laughs> well, luckily for you, you don't need them for listening to this podcast. But if you have some, feel free to wear them. <laughs> Unless you're driving, then don't. Um, so we open with the end of the last movie, and old sackhead Jason is chasing Ginny. And we see the altar with Jason's mom's head, and Ginny puts on that old musty sweater and pretends to be Mrs. Voorhees, and kind of convinces Jason to kneel down, then screws it up by letting Jason see his actual mother's head. But then the blonde guy comes in and starts wrestling Jason, and... Ginny whacks him with a machete down through his shoulder into his chest. Then they take the sack off his head, but we don't get to see it. Though, I do think we saw it in the last movie, but they do a little update re-editing. And as they leave, we get to see uh, Jason crawling off. Not exactly how part two ended, but it's fine. They got to get into part three. Then a zoom in on Mrs. Voorhees' head and the 3D title card for Friday the 13th Part 3 and the awesome music. Honestly, the music in this one is one of the main reasons I really like Part 3. more 3D credits. I mean, you can imagine it in 3D. Since, spoiler, I'm not watching this in 3D. But you can imagine in 3D, I bet. <laughs> Cut to Crystal Lake General Store and the house of the owners that live there, and we get the clothesline scene with the 3D pole in the camera and the awful wife yelling at her poor beat-down husband, Harold. Then we get a little info from the news broadcast. Quiet little community of the lake was shocked today with reports of a grisly mass murder scene. Eight corpses have been discovered in what is already being called the most brutal and heinous crime in local history. A police spokesman told Ion News that they've been combing the area since just before dawn and are afraid that their gruesome discovery is just the beginning. Police Chief Scott Fitzsimmons had no comment about the murders when reached early this morning. Detectives at the scene, however, were baffled by the brutality of the killings. Bodies were found literally strewn over the four-square-mile campground in the remote lake region. Ginny Field miraculously survived repeated attacks by the axe-wielding killer and was taken to a local hospital today. I love news broadcasts in horror movies. They're always so helpful. <laughs> now we see Jason skulking around the clothesline like he's, you know, Mike Myers in Halloween. It's a little bit of a ripoff, but it's still good. Cut to the husband Harold feeding his fish, and he finds a rabbit in his veggies, and he's just sampling the food and drinks in the store, and then just puts them back on the shelf to keep selling. Ugh. But then he gets busted by his crab of a wife. So he takes his rabbit back out to his rabbit house, and all the rabbits are dead, but he opens up the cage and a 3D snake jump scare, which apparently, and literally, scares the shit out of Harold because he runs off to the toilet running by his wife as she's looking for her missing knitting needle. Hmm. One thing about this wife, I can't imagine the actress being but in her mid-twenties, 
and they have her in curlers, wearing a house dress and knitting. It's so overcompensating that it makes it look even more ridiculous. Then we get a nice scene of Harold pooping in a toilet shed. It's pretty gross. And he gets up without wiping because he sees some curtains moving. Side note, there's a running theme in Friday the 13th movies of people in outhouses and sheds pooping and not wiping and getting up and pulling up their pants and then going about their business. Usually the business of getting killed, but not always immediately. So they're just walking around with shitty panties Maybe that's how Jason finds them so fast. Maybe he has an amazing sense of smell. <gasps> I don't know. So as Harold opens the door, he gets a cleaver to the chest. And it must have been a loud cleaver because his wife hears it over her loud TV that she's sitting right next to. But whatever. So she goes to investigate and we get another 3D gag with a mouse on the end of a slat of wood as the wife backs up towards the door and Jason's hand busts through the window grabs the wife head and we see her missing knitting needle shoved through the back of her head. Finally, we won't have to listen to her say Harold anymore. Cut to a 3D gag with the baseball bat as our main group of quote-unquote teens pull up in their 70s pedo van. Here we meet our main girl Chris, the horny couple Andy and Debbie, and the awkward Shelly, and they are picking up Vera. And we get a little snippet of exposition that's almost a throwaway. Sex, sex, sex. You guys are getting boring, you know that? What would a weekend in the country be without sex? Cool, Andy. Didn't mean it that way. Look, you guys, I want you to have a good time this weekend. What happened to me at the lake happened a long time ago. I'm fine, really, okay? Just forget about me. So while Vera is learning that poor Shelly is her date for the weekend, they turn and see their pedo van is on fire. So they run towards it. Um, okay, run towards danger. Whatever. But it's not a fire. It's just the two stoner hippies hotboxing themselves in the back of the pedo van. Is that all you two are going to do this weekend? Smoke dope? Why not, man? Is there a law against it? <laughs> there are better things to do with your life. Like what? I can't think of anything. We get another 3D gag with a joint. Then there's a police scene where they all start chowing down on their drugs, but it was all for naught because the police just fly by them. And where did the cops stop? But of course, the Crystal Lake General Store, where I'm sure they found Harold and his wife and the rabbits and the snake and the mouse and the fish all dead. Well, maybe not the fish or the mouse. I don't know. <laughs> the van drives by slowly and Chris looks worried. Girl, keep your eyes on the road, damn it. Ugh. All of a sudden, the pregnant girl tells Chris to stop the van because she's almost run over a man lying in the middle of the road. See, what did I just say? Eyes on the road. So, of course, they stop and they all get out and surround the old guy. I must have been daydreaming. I didn't even Jeez. see him. Yeah, he looks just like my grandfather. <gasps> I must be in heaven. Well, don't touch him. You don't know what where he's been. Thank you. What are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. You are indeed, all of you, kind and generous young people. Look upon what his grace has brought unto me. What is that? I found this today. There were other parts of the body. That's an eyeball. Oh, he said to me, he wanted me to have this. Yes. He wanted me to warn you. Look upon this omen and go back from whence ye came. I have warned thee. Yes, warned with a 3D eyeball, which is super gross. I love it. So they get to the lake house over a rickety wooden bridge, which I'm sure won't come into play later. So they get there and all the teens 
All run to the lake except Chris, who heads into the house and gets grabbed by Rick, the hot groundskeeper, who Chris is fuck buddies with when she's at the lake house, I guess. If I were her, I'd be at the lake house a lot more often. Rick is hot as fuck. But I guess Chris isn't a whore like me. Eh. Rick! My imagination, or did it just get cold in here? Hello, Rick. How are you? Well, that's a start. Could you just slow down, please? There's a whole weekend ahead of us. Let me get to know you again. Let me get to know this place again. Okay. There's only so many cold showers I can take. A little later, we get a great scene with shirtless Rick dealing with bales of hay and spouting some fun wisdom. Damn, he is fine. There is a time and a place for everything. And now's the time and now's the place, you know what I mean. So what I think we should do set aside three hours a day to fulfill our needs. One in the morning uh, and two at night. If you agree, I agree. <laughs> Were you talking to me? <laughs> then a scream comes from the cabin, so they run towards it again, and Chris finds Shelley with a hatchet in his forehead and screams and everybody runs in. But his roommate Andy knows it was just a trick and starts tickling him. So Vera says she needs to go to the store and Shelly goes along with her. Then we get the general store scene with the bikers underscored by this awesome music. So they pay and leave. And as they leave, Shelly backs over the gang's motorcycles. And one of the bikers uses a chain and smashes the VW Bug's windshield. And Shelly turns around and hits the bikes again. So they speed off back towards the lake. Cut to Andy and his yo-yo. Mm. <laughs> that was close. Hey, you better watch out with that thing. <laughs> Come on. I'm warning you, Andy. I'll break your string. And another 3D gag that still works in 2D. You know, one day I will have to experience this movie in 3D. <laughs> but not today. Then Chris cock teases Rick some more when he wants to leave, so they drive off to somewhere. Then we see the gang members arrive at the camp to steal the teen's gas from the pedo van. So while they're doing that, Fox, the female gang member, goes into the barn to, I guess, look around and almost impales herself on a pitchfork, then goes for a swing on the hay rope. It turns out that the gas is to burn down the barn. But Loco, one of the male gang members, goes to find Fox in the barn. And boy, does he find her. She's been pitchforked through the neck and stuck to a beam in the hayloft. Then Loco gets another pitchfork through the middle. Both great kills. Finally, Ali, the gang leader, gets in the barn and he finds his dead gang members and starts to fight Jason but gets knocked out and he gets his head beat in. Bye-bye, Ali. Cut to Rick and Chris sitting by a giant drainage pipe. <laughs> and Chris finally tells her tale. I don't know if you remember, but when you dropped me off that night, it was very late. I knew my parents would be waiting for me, but I didn't care. We had such a good time. The minute I walked in the door, my parents started yelling at me and cursing me. We had such a big fight. My mom slapped me. That was the first time my mother had ever hit me. I couldn't believe it. I ran out the door and into the woods. I wanted to punish them, so I decided to hide out all night. I thought I'd get them so worried that they'd be sorry for what they did. It had been raining and the woods were cold and wet, but I found a dry spot under an old oak tree. I guess I fell asleep. All I can remember next is being startled out of sleep by the sound of footsteps. I was sure it was Dad, so I just sat up and I listened for him. But the footsteps stopped. Then there was this cracking noise behind me. I turned around, and standing there was this hideous-looking man. It was so grotesque, he was almost inhuman. He had a knife, and he attacked me with it. 
I was so hysterical, I don't know how I was even able to think, but I kicked the knife out of his hands and I ran. He ran after me and he caught me and he pulled me down to the ground. I was kicking and screaming and yelling, but it didn't do any good. He dragged me along the ground. I blacked out. I don't know what happened after that, I just don't know. So wait, Jason is a rapist and a murdering psychopath? I don't know. Cut to the outhouse scene with the male hippie. I am thankful I've never had to use an outhouse. It looks awful. And damn it, the hippie pulls up his pants again without wiping. But it is unclear if he did anything. But still, ugh. Cut to Vera sitting on a pier with her feet hanging over the water as a hand grabs her and she screams as somebody in a hockey mask and a wetsuit with a spear gun jumps out of the water. And of course it's Shelly playing another prank. That'll teach you a valuable lesson. A beautiful girl like you should never go out in the dark alone. <laughs> damn it, Shelly! Why do you do these stupid things? I have to. No, you don't have to. I just want you to like me. I do like you. But not when you act like a jerk. Being a jerk is better than being a nothing. I never said you were nothing. You don't have to say it. I could tell. You're wrong. Shelly. So he walks off with his mask and spear gun and he hears a noise. What could it be? Let's go look. So he heads to the barn. Next thing we see is Vera trying to get Shelly's wallet out of the lake as a man in a hockey mask with a spear gun walks onto the pier, aims and fires the spear right through Vera's eye. Bye bye Vera. And that is the first time we see Jason in his iconic hockey mask, thanks to goofy Shelly. But what happened to Shelly? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Cut to the horny couple fucking in their hammock. Ooh, a hammock. I may have to put that on my bucket list. Or, or should I say, fuck it list. <laughs> um. It was the best one yet. Mm. Was it um, you, me, or the hammock? I vote for me. Hmm? I vote for the hammock. Mm. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm taking a shower. You gotta try it sometime. We see Jason make his way into the house, and we get a psycho shower scene fake out. Then the iconic kill of poor Andy, walking on his hands, and he gets machete chopped right in the dick. Ugh, bye-bye Andy. But at least he got some before he got killed. Mm. So Debbie gets back to her hammock to read some Fangoria. Shout out Fangoria. As the mysterious red liquid drips onto its pages, and she looks up and sees poor Andy stuffed in the rafters. Then wham, machete up through her chest. Also a great kill, but too short for me. I like my kill scenes like I like most things. Long. <laughs> Cut to the hippie popping 3D popcorn and having some fun banter with the female hippie. Did I hear you screaming? Oh, it's probably Debbie having an orgasm. How come you never scream when we have sex? Give me something to scream about. <laughs> What's the matter? Nothing. I was just practicing. Well, don't do that to me. Here, go down the cellar and check the fuse box. In the dark. Alone. Be a man, man. <laughs> and the hippie goes to check the fuse box. And who's there with him? Jason, of course. And he shoves him into the electrical box. 
great kill. Back in the kitchen with the female hippie, and Shelly comes in with a slit throat, so she screams and runs up the stairs as Jason coolly walks in and grabs the hot fireplace poker and skewers her. Bye-bye, hippie chick. Finally, Rick and Chris get back to the lake house, and it's eerily quiet, and the popcorn's burning, so they go around flipping light switches and calling out people's names. Rick heads outside to look around, and Chris stands on the porch as he's being held and head crushed right around the corner. Bye-bye, sexy blue-balled Rick. Okay, it's only Chris left. So she heads upstairs and finds bloody clothes in the bathtub, then runs outside to find poor Rick. Then Loco falls out of the tree, so she runs back in the house. Then wham, Rick's body is thrown through the living room window, and Jason just steps inside with an axe. Then Chris runs upstairs again, locks herself in the closet, a closet where Debbie's dead body is, so of course she screams, and Jason knows right where she is. But she sees a knife in her friend's back and takes it out and uses it on Jason, the first smart thing she's done. Then she fucks up and leaves the knife in his leg and runs away. She climbs out of the second floor window. She gets a log and brains Jason with it when he walks outside, but he's still awake, of course. So she runs to the pedo van. She actually has the keys on her. Oh my god. She starts driving away, and she gets to the rickety bridge just as the van runs out of gas. Wah, wah. But wait, there's a reserve tank. But it's too late. The van starts falling through the bridge just as Jason gets to her. But she rolls up his arm in the window and runs out the other side of the van and heads towards the barn. Jason gets in the barn after her and locks it. So he starts tearing around looking for her, but she's up on a beam. And then she falls right on him. So then he finds a machete and goes after her. Now she's in the loft again and Jason follows her. She clocks him in the head with a shovel, then ties a barn rope around his neck, shoves him out and hangs him. So she heads back down into the barn. She gets the barn door open and Jason is hanging there. But he's not dead, of course. I mean, there are seven more of these. But he just lifts himself up and out of the rope. That's some serious upper body strength. Then he lifts his mask to show Chris that he's the same guy that attacked her in the woods, maybe? If that happened? I don't know. So Jason picks up his machete as Chris starts having a breakdown. And who comes out of one of the closets in the barn? But Ali, the gang leader from earlier. And before he can hit Jason, Jason chops his arm clean off, then hacks him up. Bye-bye, Allie. Again. Chris calms down a bit, grabs the axe next to her, and whacks him right in the head, and he finally goes down. Cut to Chris getting in the canoe and going out on the lake. The next morning, Chris startles awake and sees the house and Jason in the window. And he busts out the side door and starts running towards her. Then she turns around again, and he's gone. And the door is back on its hinges. It was just her imagination. Jump scare! Wormy Mrs. Voorhees' corpse jumps out of the water and pulls Chris down. Cut to the police taking Chris away while she's laughing and crying and screaming all at the same time. <laughs> she has lost it completely. So they drive away and we close in on Jason's body in the barn with the axe still in his head. The end. Cue the cool music. Well, that was Friday the 13th Part 3 from 1982. It is such a good movie. It's definitely one of the best of the series. You get to witness the birth of the iconic hockey mask. The soundtrack is awesome. A bunch of great kills. So I give Friday the 13th Part 3 10 out of 10 machete chops to the dick. Ouch. <laughs> well, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening to the 50th episode of Reflections of Darkness. Hopefully you've listened to all 50. If not, go back and do it. 
(laughs) And don't forget to tell your friends to do it. Do me another favor and go on your podcast app and rate and review the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to message me on any of my socials. And all that info is over at evilqueensf.com. Well, that's enough 3D horror for me tonight. As always, keep watching scary movies. Bye-bye. Shelly, what are you doing in there? Why aren't you down at the lake with everybody else? Oh, they said they were going skinny dipping, and uh, I'm not skinny enough. Thank <laughs> you.